Hello and welcome to this special Friday edition of the First and Ten podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington, Indiana, recording this ahead of the first November slate of the Big Ten season. whole lot of big games deciding the divisional races as we draw closer and closer to the end of this college football campaign. And joining me, as always, to talk all things Big Ten football in Grandview Heights, Ohio, it's Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? Hey, Patrick. Uh, for the first time in a couple of weeks, I've got no radio to do on this Friday night. Um, but we do have a lot of football to watch Saturday, so let's look forward to And the Ohio State men's soccer team begins its journey in the Big Ten men's soccer tournament. And I will be tuning into that game on Big Ten Plus. Probably, I'm assuming somebody I know will be on the call. So that'll be exciting tonight as well. Absolutely. Should be a lot of fun. A lot of good college sports going on this weekend. Basketball kicking off, tipping off, I guess is the term, because there's no kicking in basketball. It's a violation. This Monday, a lot of good games across the Big Ten and across the country. Worth keeping an eye on there. But we've got football on Saturday, Reed. It's still football season to me and you. Whole lot to talk about, whole lot to watch for, Reed. And we're going to get into our what to watch for for this week. But my first what to watch for is wind wind and that's not really something you can watch for you can't see wind wind is invisible you can feel it but you can't see it so it's not really something you can watch for especially if you're not in the stadium but boy oh boy will this ever-present entity make its presence known this saturday across big 10 countries several games including northwestern ohio state Purdue, Ohio, Purdue, Iowa, excuse me, and Indiana, Penn State will be under severe weather advisories due to extreme winds with gusts between 20 and 30 miles per hour, potentially reaching up to 50 miles per hour in some cases, as well as torrential downpour in, in a lot of these games. Reed, this feels like those three games could all potentially be very low scoring, and in particular with, with a pair of them, I think Penn State, Indiana, and uh, Purdue and Iowa, because there isn't a number one offense in the nation on the field for any of those games, we could see some very low scores because of this terrible weather. Yeah, and I think more so than low scores, I think we're going to see weird scores. Um, it's it's obviously not easy Safety to score games, touchdowns. It's Yeah, lots of them, because it's not easy to score touchdowns in crazy weather, and it's even harder to kick field goals. So I think we could see <laughs> teams who are going for it on fourth down in bizarre situations or missing extra points or going for two or, you know, all kinds of wacky scenarios. I think we're going to have some weird score lines this week. Yeah, even with some typically great kickers in some of these games, I think we could see a lot of missed kicks because of the wind. That's kind of obvious. But looking at the quarterbacks in, in some of these, I mean, Northwestern, no matter who they put out at quarterback, is not going to be very good from what we've seen this year. And there have been a lot of questions with the Northwestern quarterback room and, and who's going to be the starter. It doesn't matter who it is. They're going to struggle because – not just because of the wind, but going beyond that, we've got Spencer Petrus in a wind advisory game. That's a terrible sentence. We've got Sean Clifford in a wind advisory game. We've got maybe Connor Bazelak in a wind advisory game. Indiana, well, hell, Penn State's not naming a starter either. Both Indiana and Penn State, I should add, are right now not saying who their starting quarterback is going to be. We don't know if it's going to be Jack Tuttle, Dexter Williams, or Connor Bazelak for Indiana. We don't know if it's going to be Drew Aller, or Sean Clifford for Penn State. And I think no matter who the quarterback is for both of those teams in those games, I don't think any of them are good enough to overcome 
the terrible weather, terrible wind, and I think we could see some dreadful passing performances from all teams involved. This could be a repeat for Penn State of that 17-7 win against Northwestern. I think Penn State's going to win the game against Indiana, spoiler alert, but I could see it being very ugly. And also I will add with the quarterback controversy in State College, I don't think this is the game you want to put Drew Aller in for, like a 50-mile-per-hour wind game with torrential downpour to be your first collegiate start. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. If I am Penn State, if I am James Franklin, I am, even if Drew Aller is the best quarterback on the roster, not playing him. You don't want to throw him into that as a true freshman. And for Indiana, I would almost say you got to play Dexter Williams at quarterback because you're not throwing the ball much anyway because Cam Camper is out for the season. That's your best receiver and really the only receiver who's been worth talking about this season for IU. Connor Baselight can't run. Jack Tuttle can't run. Dexter Williams, we haven't really seen him, but he's at least mobile, and we know that he can move. Indiana's going to need to run the ball a lot if they want any chance of staying in this game. That's who I'd play at quarterback, not just because uh, of the terrible weather, which is what this all keeps coming back to, but because the offensive line, too, makes it a lot tougher to be a pocket passer when you don't have a split second to throw the football. So the weather is going to play a big impact in all those games. Notice I didn't talk about Aiden O'Connell and I didn't talk about CJ Stroud. I think they'll probably be fine no matter what, although it is worth watching for Purdue, very pass heavy offense with wind and rain being such a big determinant in this game. I think Purdue's offense could draw to a bit of a standstill because they're not a running football team. Wind and rain weather is going to have an impact in all three of these games one way or another. I'm interested to see how it plays out Reed. I think real quick, uh, talking about Penn State, that quarterback situation, I would be beyond surprised if Sean Clifford is, isn't the starting quarterback this week. And more so than surprised, I would be honestly upset uh, because I think Sean Clifford's performance last week was terrific. And yes, you know, he threw a few interceptions, lots of the intercept, like I think it was three or four, at least the first two were not his fault. Um, and even I would argue the one that JT to to excuse me. Uh, I need to look at how his name is spelled uh, to JT Tui Tui Molo. Tui There we go. I don't know why. Tui Molo. Tui Molo. Right? No, it's Tui Molo. I need to get this right. I forgot how it was spelled for a second. And I I, need. I need to. I need to get this pronunciation down. I need to just have a day where that's the only word I say for like an hour straight, and I just get it, and I've got it. Anyway. Because I'm not going to stop saying his name anytime soon, but he's a damn good player. Exactly, yeah. But the one that JT Tuimoloau took to the house for the pick six, um, I would argue that's not even his fault. It was the O lineman who was the, who was uh, guarding Tuimoloau because he just completely fell down and, and gave Tuimoloau a clear lane to do whatever he wanted with that pass. So I think Clifford, he, I think he faced adversity well. I don't think he made as many stat and as many mistakes as the stats would indicate. Earlier on in the season, I was saying, you know, give Jarrell the keys. Let's see what they can do. I'm completely opposite now. I think it would be foolish because I think I think now is when Sean Clifford is just starting to get cooking. So if you take him out now, put in a new guy who's not experienced, you never know what's going to happen. I think there's a solid product that Sean Clifford puts out on the field. So I would be really unhappy if Sean Clifford was not the starter for Penn State. Um, I have two what's watch fours. Um, one of them simple. This is kind of more your thing, Patrick, but it's curses. Um, you know, we talked about the Purdue Wisconsin curse earlier. Now it's the flip end of it. it's Purdue versus Iowa. And I think Purdue would win this game anyway, curse or no curse, because I think they're just better, but something to keep in mind, but also you talking about the wind and CJ Stroud being fine. 
uh, in the wind. I, I think Stroud should do all right. But my other what to watch for is a potential repeat of the Trey Sermon 2020 game against Northwestern, where Trey Sermon broke Ohio State's single game rushing record against the Wildcats. I think something similar could happen because maybe maybe it won't be one back over the other. But I think generally Ohio State uh, as a whole can run the ball extremely well against Northwestern. Um, two terrific backs. So, yeah, I'm not going to say mine Williams or Trayvon Henderson will come close to that record because I think they'll be splitting carries again. But I think somebody, well, actually, mine Williams might be hurt. There's not, uh, Coach Day hasn't given um, an exact update on his status. He did get hurt in the game, but it didn't seem particularly serious. Uh, either way, whoever is carrying the ball for Ohio State is going to pick up a lot of yards. And um, I think we could see a repeat of a, a dominant Ohio State rushing performance against Northwestern like we saw at the end of the 2020 season. Yeah, a lot of running the football read. When you look at this Ohio State rushing attack, is there a, is there a better pairing in the nation than these two? Because they do two very different things. Is there a more useful running back tandem in the nation or even a more talented running back tandem in the nation? Because I think not. Yeah, I, I don't think so. What I will say is I think at certain points in the Penn State game, and maybe it was just because Williams was out for a little bit, I think Henderson was being asked to play a role that wasn't necessarily one that suited him well. I think there were too many situations where Henderson was asked to just bulldoze some guys. And sure, Trayvon Henderson has some strength, and he's able to do that now and then, but that's not what he does. He's a uh, break-free type of running back. So um, I think definitely it's it's a system that, requires the two backs um and I, I, you know i think they will be fine this week if one of them is out but i think generally to answer your question uh i don't know if there is a pairing in the country as dangerous as ohio state's now i think maybe there are rushing attacks um well actually i i don't know i think i think the michigan the, the michigan duo definitely competes with henderson and williams i would say i would say blake Corm is the best running back in the big 10 i think he is an individual beats both of ohio state's backs edwards is really good too but there's something about, I think, alone. It's, just, it's if, the if pairing. Teams, it's here's the, what I'll it's say. It's the yin and yang effect. Here's what I'll say with Hit me. when comparing the Michigan running back duo and the Ohio State running back duo. I would say if you told both teams, all you can do is run the ball with your two backs and you're not allowed to pass the ball at all. I think Michigan would have a better performance. But I think with the way, you know, it's often talked about in football, how you run the ball to set up the play action or to set up the pass. Mm -hmm. I think Ohio State kind of does the inverse of that where they kind of pass to set up the run. I think when Ohio State can keep defenses honest with the extremely dangerous passing attack, that makes the Ohio State running game more dangerous. So I think the Ohio State running game is more effective in the grand scheme of things in their offense. But as an isolated unit, I would say the Michigan running back unit is more strong. So it's kind of it's not really a an answer, a question that I think has a concrete answer. They're just very different when you look at them. They do different things. Michigan's got a pair of elite running backs, no doubt about it, but they kind of do the same thing. I don't think that it's is as true, useful yeah. to have two guys who do the same things. Obviously, it is useful and they're both damn good players. But Ohio State has two guys who are really good at different skill sets, and that comes in handy more often. You can be a lot more creative with the way you call your play. So I think that's fascinating, definitely worth watching for read anything else any other notes any other bits you want to get into before we move on yeah not in the what to watch for no nothing what to watch for but i will tell you another thing to watch for read when we're talking about ohio state 
They're my uniform matchup of the week. Ohio State, Northwestern. I feel like I'm putting these two in uniform matchup of the weeks all the time, but it's for good reason. Ohio State has a great classic uniform set, and Northwestern has a great modern uniform set. I think two different styles, two different ways of going about it, but two uniforms that absolutely get the job done. Don't know which ones Northwestern will be trotting out for this game, but I know for a fact that they'll be clean no matter what. Reed, what's your pick? I, well, this is one. So I picked Northwestern Ohio State, obviously. And I was looking at, um, at NUFB family, Northwestern's football Twitter yesterday when I was doing my notes for the show. And they put out a little video that began with, um, they, were, they were doing a shot of the Northwestern um, arch thing. Oh, is it the Gothic? Really called. Is it the Gothic uniforms? Uh, here. So they, they show a shot of that. And I'm thinking, okay, we're going to get the Gothic ones. Then they show footage of players and they show footage of players in all kinds of different uniforms. The first player they show is wearing the Gothic uniform. So I'm thinking, all right, we're getting the Gothics back this week. Nope. They tweeted an hour ago. Um, still a great uniform combination. They're going black helmet, black jersey, purple pants, um, which I like. I wish it was the Gothic ones. And the video really, you know, they put out a teaser that really would have implied they were in the Gothic uniforms. But hmm. these ones are still nice. And I will also say this is... It's the same combination. It's not the exact same uniform, but it's the same color combination that they wore in 2013 against Ohio State. Uh, the black helmet, black jersey, purple pants when Northwestern was number 16 in the country and Ohio State was number four. College game day was there. Ohio State came away victorious, but in a close game. So I feel like this combination, it feels right for a Northwestern Ohio State game. Uh, so I'm still happy with it. Still my uniform matchup of the week. Interesting. Shame we can't get the Gothics, but the black jerseys, black helmets, still pretty cool. All right. Sickos game of the week, Reed. I couldn't pick just one. All of the wind games, any game across America, across the Big Ten, that will be affected by extreme weather, wind, rain, you name it. We've got a handful here in the Big Ten. They're all going in here. Wacky stuff is going to go down in these games, Reed. Yeah, I just said Iowa and Purdue because um, that's one of the wind games, and I think that's the sickest of the sick ones. But, I mean, you're right. Any of them can really have all kinds of bizarre outcomes. Absolutely. Definitely going to be... <laughs> Uh, interesting to say the least. I think we could see a ton of low lights from both of these wind games in the state of Indiana, certainly the one in Illinois and other ones across the country as well. Weird wobbly passes will be plentiful this Saturday afternoon, Reed. All right, quick break here. We're going to bring you back on the other side, talk about our game of the week and give you our score predictions across the Big Ten. Stay tuned here on the First and Ten, and we will be right back. Back here on the first and 10, ready to get into our score predictions for this week's slate of Big Ten football games. Reed, kind of tough to pick a game of the week this week, but we're going with Michigan State, Illinois, I guess. Yeah, I, this is, this is one, I actually am intrigued by this game a lot. I am too. Um, I, mean, I, I, I don't think it's great in the traditional sense of the term, like Penn State, Ohio State was last week, but there's stuff to, to take note of here. and We can learn a lot about Illinois. Yeah, I think this is one where it's, you know, it's, it's weird to say that a team with a record like Michigan State is a test, but I think it's a little bit of a test because uh, Illinois' schedule has not been filled with the strongest teams. And I think Michigan State, first of all, their weaknesses are not necessarily going to be exploited by Illinois in offense because Michigan State known for having a poor pass defense. I don't think Illinois is going to really take too much of an advantage of that. I mean, of course, they can, anybody can, but, you know, I don't think that's necessarily Illinois' forte. Um, and I think at the same time, Michigan State, 
you know, they competed with Ohio State for a little bit. They competed with Michigan for a half last week. And I think this is the kind of team where, you know, sure, they're offense, they're not world beaters, but they can compete. They can make things interesting. And when the Illinois offense isn't necessarily going to be putting all kinds of points on the board, I think this is going to be a close one. I'm also interested to see how Michigan State is going to come out when, first of all, they have everything to compete for. They're still battling for bowl eligibility and they, mm-hmm. they don't want to go bowl ineligible this season. And this is one of the games they have to win. They have a tough schedule for the rest of the year. Um, and this is a tough game, but they, you know, they're coming, you know, a wounded animal fighting for its life is what Michigan state is in this one. So there's that angle. There's also the angle of who knows how they're going to respond after the whole fighting fiasco against Michigan, because on one hand, the team could be completely disheartened. They get some players suspended, you know, players could just be generally disgruntled and, and not in the right mindset or on the flip side, they could, you know, want everybody to forget about that and give, give people something else to talk about Michigan state for. So it's really going to be fascinating to see how Michigan state responds. I think had the fighting incident not taken place, I would have been more confident in saying Michigan state like this close. This is really unpredictable for me. But this is what makes a good game of the week is unpredictability. And I think this Absolutely. one's going to be close for a good, good bit. I feel the same way, Reed. And I I would have probably picked Michigan State coming into this one because I just think Illinois is due to lose at some point. Absolutely, they're due, yeah. But it felt like the bottom fell out on Michigan State last week after the fight. I just don't see how you come back from that and be anything resembling a competent football team, especially on the road against what you know isn't a great team in Illinois but a team that wins a lot of games in Illinois and there's something to be said about that I've got a feeling that the fall down to earth loss for Illinois is coming next week against Purdue yes I know it's at home yes whatever this week is not that week I have the fighting Illini of Illinois pulling it off against Michigan State Reed 21 to 17. Yeah, I think, like you mentioned about um, being in a away game against Illinois, I think another thing to note is, you know, Illinois, they're the number 16 team in the country. This is the first ever time they've been ranked in the college football playoff rankings. First time they've been ranked in the AP for years. Uh, well, I mean, a couple of weeks ago was the first time they've been ranked in the AP for years. But still, this is a, an unprecedented season. you got to imagine Illinois fans are really excited about this. And the atmosphere is not going to be your typical fighting Illini atmosphere. So that's another, you know, difficult situation for Michigan State to be in. But I still think the Spartans compete. I think Illinois is going to win this one 20 to 17, but I think it's going to be a scary afternoon for the Illini. Um, but I, I do think they're the better football team. Uh, and I think they end up prevailing, but do not, I will not be surprised at all if Michigan state comes away with an upset win here. Me neither. Just because the Illinois is due to fall back down to earth at some point, but I Absolutely. keep, I keep telling myself that and, and it just hasn't happened yet, but I, I feel like the, the day of reckoning for Illinois, so to speak, still a good team in some senses and a flawed team in others is coming against either Purdue or Michigan. In my opinion, Reed, I don't know if you're with me there. I just don't think this is the week for it. Yeah. I mean, I think definitely Michigan uh, is, is going to be a a situation where the line are going to fall back down to earth. Um, I think Michigan's going to, beat them pretty handily but the question Purdue, is I think, will, will it happen for Purdue or not I think yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know but yes yeah, so, I mean obviously I think that moment will come um I could see Mich- I could see Illinois losing three in a row I could see them falling to Michigan State Purdue and or and Michigan excuse me don't think they'll lose Northwestern but I could see Illinois going eight and four as sad as it too. is to say because it would be awesome I absolutely to see could too I Illinois could see go I could know, see them in the Big Ten, 10 championship two. game at eight and four as well yeah, because you never know with this Big Ten West. You know, an eight and four team absolutely. I mean, we've seen it before. 
Um, it absolutely could happen that way. Mm-hmm. Would not surprise me in the slightest either way. All right, Reed, get into our rest of the week in the Big Ten, our score predictions now. First game, Nooner, Ohio State, Northwestern, Wildcats, and Buckeyes last faced off the Big Ten championship game in 2020. Northwestern, I believe, led that game at halftime. I'm pretty sure they did. I know it was low scoring, and I know Ohio State struggled, and I know in my household it was um, it was a stressful tense. day. Tense. But uh, Until yeah. the second half, Trey Sermon did Trey Sermon things. Really until the fourth quarter, honestly, because even in the third quarter, I, I recall Northwestern uh, still being up or being in control at least. Very different Northwestern team, and I would say a very different Ohio State team as well, but Northwestern more different <laughs> than to now. Northwestern 1-7. Uh, their season is over. They're not making a bowl again. Last time we saw Northwestern, they were being led by Peyton Ramsey and Brandon Joseph, and those guys aren't walking through that door, Reed. I don't see this one being anywhere near as competitive as it was in 2020. I've got 45-10 Buckeyes. Weather isn't going to impact the way Ohio State dominates this game from start to finish. I'll say 42-0 Ohio State. I think weather does play an impact, and I think early in the game it's not going to be high scoring and there's going to be eyeball emoji moments where oh Ohio State's up 10 at the half or whatever I think Ohio State pulls away as they tend to do I think Northwestern really struggles to score points because I don't think touchdowns are going to be easy to come by against the Ohio State defense nor will field goals because of the weather elements I don't think Northwestern scores at all give me Buckeyes 42 nothing a shutout prediction definitely bold but you know us in the first and ten we have never been afraid to go there. We've never been afraid to be. Afraid. Can we make a bet if, uh, can, can there be some kind of fun um, thing if Northwestern does get shut out in this game? Um, hmm. Well, I'm going to be in Columbus next week. It's true. Uh, we're getting Panzeras anyway. I'm not going to bet you a whole pizza on that. I don't think that's fair because scoring any points is far more likely than a true shutout exactly yeah that's not we'll figure that's not something a, out we, we will uh off the air we will make a bet uh related to this proposition i like the idea reed always thinking on your feet and i'll be in columbus next week for those of you unfamiliar so should be a lot of fun next game reed another nooner minnesota nebraska minnesota still in the fighting for the Big Ten West, technically, even though that Illinois loss really does put them back more than they should be. Nebraska, who knows what they're fighting for, man. One week, I think they're good. One week, I think they're awful. Do, do not know what to expect from them. But I do know to expect very few points in this one. I'm not really convinced on either of these teams. Minnesota took their frustrations out on a bad Rutgers team last week. And this week, they play a Nebraska team with more of a pulse than Rutgers but still not a very good Nebraska team. I think 24 to 10 Minnesota is my pick. Give me go first 28, 17. I think Minnesota is just straight up better. That's true. Simple as that. Better team wins most of the time. All right, Reed. Next game, another big 10 West game, a wind game. Like I said, another noon kick FS one it's Purdue hosting Iowa. Purdue's won four or five in the series. Reed can the Boilermakers make it five of six. I, say I think so. Yeah, I, I, I think um, this is one, like I said, a weird score game. I'm going 30 to 13 Boilermakers. Um, I've got Purdue winning this one 27-14. Almost gave a different score there, but 27-14 Purdue is my pick. Reed, 
Next game, 3.30, BTN, Maryland at Wisconsin. Reed, Maryland over the last few weeks has been a deeply confusing team. They are coming off a bye, which gives them a little bit of an advantage here. I, I do like that about them. But their last two games, they struggled with Northwestern and struggled with Indiana. I mean, Reed. Oh, and by the way, Wisconsin's coming off a bye too, so that kind of negates the Maryland bye advantage. It's still a tough place to play at Camp Randall. Reed, to me, Maryland feels due for a loss, and I'm going to pick it this week. I don't think that Wisconsin's a better team than Maryland, but the way these two teams are trending – Wisconsin two weeks ago got a big win against Purdue. Both teams are coming off a bye, kind of an even advantage there. Both teams on full rest. A struggling Maryland team the last couple of weeks who was still winning games but struggling, I think is due for another loss read. I am taking the Badgers winning this one 24 to 20 at home against Maryland. Kind of weird to be calling that an upset, but it is. Now, I mean, Maryland has been struggling and they've gotten some bad wins recently, but I think at the same time, they're a six and two team and they are not ranked. And I think just based on that fact, the team, I mean, obviously every team's always going to tell you, Oh, we don't care about the rankings, whatever. There are certain things that you just can't ignore. And I think some of the players, despite the fact that they haven't looked great against some of the lower tier big 10 teams, I think they're going to say, Hey, we're six and two. We're in the big 10. Why are we not in the top 25? I think they'll be fired up. I like Maryland in, in terms of intangibles in this one. And I'm going to say Terps 28, 13. Interesting. Me and Reed don't differ a ton on our picks. So always fun when that happens. And uh, I'd like to see this one though. I think this is a pretty interesting game. I think it's more interesting than you're giving it credit for. I think it could be pretty competitive. So I think it's competitive as well. I mean, yeah, it's 28, 13. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Two score game. Well, Maybe one score comes late. It's it's, It'll be interesting. Okay. I'm with you. We're with it. We're absolutely with it. Okay, next game, 3.30 ABC. Penn State headed to Indiana. Last time these two teams played in Bloomington, Reed, um, was one of the best days of my life. Michael Penix Jr. did the unthinkable. Indiana wins it. First win over a top 10 team since the 80s. Again, I will say it again. I will keep saying it until the day I die. One of the best days of my life. An unforgettable win, an unforgettable moment, an unforgettable season. So, this is not the 2020 Indiana Hoosiers, though, Reed. This is to the 2022 Indiana Hoosiers. We do not know who the quarterback is going to be. It's the battle of mid right now in the Indiana quarterback room between Jack Tuttle, Connor Bazelak, and Dexter Williams. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I don't think it makes much of a difference because I don't think any of them are very good. However, Indiana's had a tendency to play games competitive, even against really good teams, for about three quarters and then let the bottom fall out under them in the fourth. I think Indiana is going to be trailing by three points going into the fourth quarter and then lose this game 35-17 at home, officially falling below the line of a winning record in the regular season. I think Indiana really struggles to get points on the board against this Penn State defense. I don't think they get more than seven. Um, and I, I, think, I can see I think one of them. I think one of them comes off of a pick six or a punt return. I could see it being close kind of in the way that Penn State Northwestern was close where it was just low scoring. I could see Penn State struggling to score, but I I don't think Indiana gets past seven. And I think Penn State eventually breaks free, whether that's in the second quarter or in the second half. Give me Nittany Lions 33 to seven. 33 to seven. Okay, Reed picking a blowout. He thinks the bottom finally falls out on Indiana, a team that's- And another weird score because of uh, 
wind issues. Wind and rain got got to factor yeah, both in. True. But really, I mean, just looking at how the games have played out though over the last month, some of the scores don't look very good. But Indiana has not been in an uncompetitive game of football. No, you're just, right about that. Absolutely. I just don't, I don't see that trend changing this week. I, I think it continues. I, I just I have so much respect for the Penn State defense that I think what Indiana has going on on the offensive side of the ball, I just don't think they can compete. In Indiana, without Cam Camper, it's just not a very good offense. It wasn't a good offense with Cam Camper. Without Cam yeah, I mean, Camper. I mean, <laughs> Penn State made the Ohio State offense the best offense in the country or, you know, maybe the second best if you prefer Tennessee, look like not itself for an entire half. So I think – Absolutely. I, I, I'm – Curious to see what they're going to do to the Hoosiers offense. I could also see Penn State kind of overlooking this one. Perhaps, but I think I think they're I think they I think they're going to hunker down for the rest of the season. I don't, I don't think they're going to be in cruise mode. I think now I don't trust the ability of a James Franklin coach football team to hunker down. Fair enough. I just don't. And I never will. I think this thing's competitive, but Penn State wins on talent. All right, moving on. Illinois, Michigan State, Reed in Champaign should be a good crowd in a packed Memorial Stadium. 3.30, BTN. Kind of wish this was the ABC game and Indiana Penn State was on BTN, but hey, what can I do? I, I don't make the TV schedules. I don't drop these contracts. Reed, we already gave our prediction for this one, 21-17. Do you have anything else to say? I don't think so. Okay, me neither. I think we've already done all the thinking on that one we can think. Last game, only – wait a minute. Reed, am I reading this right? A night game in November in the Big Ten? Michigan at Rutgers, 7.30 kickoff on BTN? Maybe the rule just doesn't apply to Rutgers? I don't know. That is a little Does, bit weird. What is going on here? What <laughs> is going know. on? I thought there was a no night games in November rule, but Reed, correct me if I'm wrong. Saturday is November the 5th. Maybe it's – not an official rule and more just a generally abided by practice that was made an exception this week. I don't know. Interesting. I like it. I I think the no night games in November rule is stupid. Maybe I it's not a disagree rule. More. I hate night games in November. Uh, Nothing but worse as, than it. As, as a TV watcher, I like it because I want more Big Ten games on during other hours of the day. But but when you go to the game, you don't want to be in the shoe on November 19th at 7 p.m. when it's just freezing and windy and it's and it's miserable. And Ohio State's one of the southernmost teams in the conference. Imagine that in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. No, Absolutely that's fa- horrible. That's fair. But again, as a TV watcher, which is, you know, 99.9% of the audience compared to in stadium, it's definitely nice to have games at other hours of the day that aren't noon and 3.30 because it can get crowded in those two time slots. But I actually important. like it. I like watching. Uh, I like watching all the games that are important to me in the conference early, and then you know, winding down a little bit, kicking back and watching a little bit of SEC uh, and perhaps some Pac-12 action at night. I like to. Have at I least, like the way it is. I like to have at least a Big Ten game on to flip to. Like I'm. I'm not gonna. No offense to Michigan. I guess we disagree. No offense to Michigan versus Rutgers. But I'm not going to be actively watching Michigan versus Rutgers at 7:30. But I will flip to it on commercials. I will absolutely flip to it. Fair enough. I'm a channel flipper, Reed. You know this about me. More importantly, though, Reed, Michigan, Rutgers, not much of a game here. In the past, this game has been, what was the score, 78 to nothing? 
Uh, I don't remember. I believe Michigan beat them. I, I think they, they crushed them. I remember last year it was close. It was close last year, but in 2016, 2016, it was 78 to nothing. So in the past, there's a precedent for blowouts. Jim likes to run up the score, and I think he does a lot of score running up this week. Reed, I've got Michigan 56 to 7 over Rutgers. Yeah, I think this week is nothing like last year's 20 to 13 score at the big house. Give me Michigan 45 10. All right, one last game to predict. This one coming outside of the Big Ten Conference. Reed, the, the game of the year, some are calling it the game of the century. I I don't agree with that statement. By the way, the term game of the century makes me upset every time I hear it. How can there be like 10 game of the centuries in a single century? Come and on. we're also in the year 2022. Yeah. How, still, how, can, how do we know that there's not going to be an still... incredible game in the 2067 season? Exactly. I mean, yeah. come on. Game of the century is a stupid term, but people are saying it. To my knowledge, this is the first number one versus number one regular season game in some time. There's got to be one at some other point, especially back in the the old days where there were 10 different polls and 10 different national champions every year. There has to be mm -hmm. uh, one from at some point in In the the 150 plus year history of the sport. In the college football playoff era, as far as I know, this is the only one at least the only one in the regular season and between the college football playoff number one, and the AP number one, I could also be that wrong on that, but I can't remember another one off the top of my head. And I've been following this sport pretty close for the last eight years. So Tennessee traveling to Georgia Reed between hedges. Do you think the Vols get it done and continue their perfect season? You know, it's, I want to say no, because I've watched enough Tennessee volunteers football to know that they, are not built for this and they are not built mm-hmm. to go into the road against the defending national champion. And that anytime Tennessee is good, the wheels fall off. But I also, I mean, Georgia's Georgia's great this year. There's no denying that, but I, I, I think Tennessee's better. I, I don't think Georgia is unbeatable. I think Georgia's had a lot of flaws. I think Georgia has made, has exposed its own weaknesses and made, you know, the, they, they've made themselves look beatable in certain circumstances. I think Tennessee finds a way to exploit those. And I also think I'm a, I'm a true believer in the, the, the fact that in modern college football, a great offense beats a great defense. And Tennessee has one of the best offenses there is. Give me the Vols, 45-42. It's obviously going to be close. It's obviously going to be a terrific game. Um, but I think Tennessee comes away with this one. 42-38 Vols is my pick too, Reed. I am loving it on Rocky Top. Can't pick against this Tennessee team. Not only are they great, but they're incredibly fun to watch. The most entertaining team in the sport by far, by my estimation. Reed, that'll do it for our show this week. Anything else for me before we go? Nothing else for me. Nothing else for me either. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the First and Ten Podcast, as always. Enjoy your college football Saturday. Have a good one, and we will see you next time. Bye.